Hello everyone, my name is Joey Hamp, better known in tennis circles as The Tennis Nerds, and I would like to welcome everyone to the final Tweener podcast. Um, this, is, uh, this is a bittersweet day uh, as we wrap up our Tweener podcast series. Um, I believe this is either the eighth or ninth episode, um, and the final episode because I'm moving forward with my uh, career, and I want to let you guys keep you guys updated on that, where the Tennis Nerds is going. Um, and sort of uh, share some of my memories and best experiences that I've had over the past three, four years. If you've listened to the Tweener podcast in the past, you would know that usually I have a co-host, Zach Lipson, one of my really good friends. Um, it's just me today. Zach's on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast at the moment. Uh, and so it's just going to be me. I want to thank Zach for, for helping out. Uh, I think you provide a really good voice for this podcast. And as I wrap it up, it's just going to be me today. So, um, and we'll get into sort of, uh, I have a lot of people I need to thank um, towards the end of the episode. Um, so what we're going to touch on today is uh, I'm going to give you guys an update of what I'm doing. Um, uh, obviously, the Tennis Nerds was founded in 2013. Um, had a very small following and it's grown into, you know, I wouldn't say a big following, but certainly something where um, I've met a lot of people. Um, a lot of people have read my work and I really appreciate all of that. And so I want to talk about um, where I'm going next uh, in my life. Um, as many of you know, I just graduated Ithaca College uh, with a journalism degree. So I'll, I'm going to give you an update on what's next for me. Um, then we're going to go through sort of what I learned um, covering the sport, you know, at tournaments, but also, um, you know, on Twitter, uh, and then writing, um, and sort of the best moments that I had and some, some fun short stories that I'll share. Um, of course, at the Tweener podcast, I want to give out my favorite tweener of all time. It wouldn't be right if I didn't, uh, do that. So, uh, we'll have to do tweener as we called it back in the day, tweener, tweener of the week, but this is tweener of the, of the tennis nerd's career. And then, um, yeah, and then finally, I'm just going to thank some people that helped me out. Um, don't want to get too, uh, too sappy or anything, but um, definitely a, a list of people that helped me get to where I am now. So uh, we'll be thanking them. Uh, so, yeah, let's get into it. Um, after this little music transition, we'll uh, talk about what's next for me. So, as I may have already written or tweeted by now, by the time you view listening to this, um, I have a job, uh, which is pretty exciting. Um, I'll give a little bit of background if you if you don't know about it yet. Um, so, I just get graduated college um, at Ithaca College in Ithaca, New York, uh, with a journalism degree. Um, you know, I, I pursued that that degree because I knew it was going to give me a lot of communication skills, journalism skills, but also media and marketing. Um, skills. So, uh, you know, I, I never set out to be a, I didn't say I have to be a journalist. I have to be uh, a PR person. I have to be this. Um, I wanted to give myself a, a wide skill set. Um, and the biggest thing for me, as, as many of my followers or uh, readers would know, is I'm just a huge tennis fan. And so my goal all along was to um, keep a career in tennis. And I'm happy to say that I've done that uh, in, depends when you're listening to this, but um, as of August 22nd, I will be starting with Cliff Drysdale Management, a tennis uh, resort and uh, club management uh, company, which, you know, they do a lot of things. Um, they manage, uh, design, they market um, tennis clubs, programs, events. Uh, and so I'm going to be joining the team in marketing. 
Um, so I'll be marketing, uh, you know, all of our clubs, uh, some of our events. We host tournaments. We, you know, do retreats like that. So I'm really excited about the opportunity. Um, obviously, I want to thank everybody that uh, gave me the opportunity there. Um, I'm sure you guys know who Cliff Drysdale is. Uh, obviously, an excellent tennis player um, and now an analyst on ESPN. So um, he has his own company. I would love you guys that did a little research, checked it out. Um, that's where you'll be seeing me from now on. So uh, I'm excited. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll uh, be staying in tennis for a long time. Uh, that's, that's the update. Probably as you're listening to this, I'm probably driving from California to Texas where I'll be working. And, um, yeah, thank you uh, to Cliff Drysdale Management, um, entire company, and uh, I'm looking forward to starting. I just listened back to that, and uh, that was kind of funny. I sounded so serious there. Um, I want I want to also say, uh, you know, the reason I'm so excited about doing this is because I'm going to be staying uh, and working in what I'm passionate about, which is the sport of tennis. Uh, you know, I, I played for not not as long as a lot of players. I didn't start until I was, you know, really 15 or 16 years old. Um, I was a bad high school player, and then I went to college. Didn't plan on playing college tennis, but I made a, a Division three team. Um, and I wasn't very good when I was a freshman there either. Um, but then I got a little better, and I played in the lineup at Ithaca College. Uh, and, you know, I played there for about two and a half years before I uh, went over to work with the Cornell men's tennis team, uh, which was, um, you know, two of the best years uh, of my life. Loved working with those guys. Those are lifelong friends, Sylvie, Bruno, and the whole team, um, where I worked as a media relations manager. Um, and I also worked on the court a little bit. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, in terms of why this is a exciting position for me, it's just, I'm going to be working, um, in the industry that I'm passionate about. Um, and if I had any advice to anybody else, uh, obviously those who are older than me don't need this advice, but, um, you know, if you're, if you're in college or, or you're, you're a younger viewer, um, or sorry, listener, um, you know, if you can try and pursue, try and pursue every opportunity you can to work in something that you're passionate about, um, because I promise that. Uh, you know, you're gonna you're gonna end up doing better work, and you're gonna be just you're just gonna be happier doing it. So, I didn't sound as I, as I listened back to that, it didn't sound uh, sounded like I was a little too serious there as I tried to sort of break down what I was doing. But um, yeah, I'm pumped, and uh, that's it. segment of the show that uh, was similar to the first seven episodes, uh, the tweener of the week. This is the tweener of the series edition. Um, so I want to talk about two tweeners uh, because you know, if we're talking about the greatest tweener of all time, I think there's an automatic answer for that. But then there's also sort of my my favorite tweener. Um, so we'll start with what I, what, I, what I found as the most enjoyable tweener to watch. So the, the tweener, or tweeners as I should say, um, that I've picked as my favorite or most enjoyable um, comes from, and when was this? Was this 2014? Yeah, I think 2014. Um, in, uh, performed by Grigor Dimitrov um, in Stockholm. Uh, many of you guys will remember this. Uh, in back-to-back points, he hit um, front-facing uh one was behind the back and one was a, a tweener. Um, half volley winners off of just ridiculously 
blast of returns by Jack Sock. Um, it, you know, I don't really know why these are my favorite tweeners. Um, typically, I, I I love it when the guys have to absolutely sprint back and, and, and crush one, um, which you'll get. At, you know, we'll get to that in the, the most legendary tweener. But um, I just remember vividly watching these matches, watching that match, and being in utter shock when he did it in back-to-back points. Um, at a not even like a you know at a it was like a, he was down a set I think um, yeah he was uh, just seeing that happen live um, was just absolutely mind-boggling and I remember just like pausing for a second um, I don't remember where I was I think I was probably probably in my house um, between class or something and it was just like. It was crazy. Um, I don't think you'll ever see anything like that again. So those are my favorite. That, that, that sort of that, sort of, that two-shot combo was my favorite tweener. Um, and as we get into the, the best tweener of all time, I really don't think there's any argument for this. Uh, it, it was a 2009, the U.S. Open. Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic. Uh, you know, it's, it's the third set, 6-5. Federer's got love 30 on Djokovic's serve. Uh, Novak hits a good lob volley and you know Fed hits arguably the greatest shot of all time uh, to to be sprinting you know because he, he had to hit that shot in that situation which makes it so much better um, you know he, he that was really the best option for him you know I don't even know if it was possible for him to just throw up a lob there because he literally had to sprint back to that ball so for him to get back there and then it's just so hard for me to explain this to you guys but to hit the ball that hard on a tweener or you have no pace to work with, that is just remarkable. And, uh, yeah, that will probably always go down as my my favorite shot of all time. So uh, I think it's the best shot. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's the tweener. Tweener of the tweener of the podcast, tweener 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 of the series, tweener of the tweener of the year. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the, that sort of little segment, tweener of the week uh, this year. Um, we certainly did. And uh, yep, that's it. So uh, next. Uh, the next segment, let's see what's next. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, after this little little break, we'll talk about um, what I learned um, in the last few years as uh, covering the sport. Um, some, of my, some of my best moments. So, be right back. So, take a little trip down memory lane here. Um, for those of you uh, who maybe just recently started following or listening, um, uh, or well, really everybody wasn't wasn't didn't know what I was doing back, you know, three or four years ago. Um, the Tennis Nerds was founded by myself, Joey Hamp, in May of 2013, right after my freshman year of college. Um, and you know, why did I do that? Uh, well, I you know I just finished my first year of college tennis, and um, I was watching so much of the sport. It was absurd. Uh, and so, you know, the name Tennis Nerds came from one of my teammates, uh, Justin Levine, who is now um, a basketball coach at VCU. Uh, and I was watching a challenge, or I was, keep, I was like watching live scores on a, of a challenger match on a bus ride home uh, from one of our matches. And he, you know, he just jokingly called me a tennis nerd. And, uh, you know, I didn't really think of it anything at the time. But as I got back and... Uh, in May, and was thinking, all right, you know, I should start a, a blog. Um, that was the first thing that came to mind, and I was surprised surprised nobody had taken the domain or the Twitter. So uh, I ran with it, and you know, initially things were very slow. 
um, you know, I was writing, I was writing a lot in the first year. I was writing a lot of just sort of, you know, what, what most people do, recaps, uh, previews, um, you know, do a feature or two, but never really with any interviews. Um, and I had some readers, I had some stories that, we, that were getting shared um, uh, by some, you know, cool people. Uh, but it really, you know, I was still at this point, I think like 500 followers or something. And uh, but I still enjoyed it. I still thought it was a lot of fun to, to you know to get to write about this sort of thing. And um, there were a few different things that uh, sort of helped me grow. Um, and so I want to talk about uh, sort of what I learned, and, and you know maybe that could apply to to anybody else who's listening. So um, the biggest thing for me, uh, right away at least, was understanding uh, you know what a good follower is. Um, and this goes not just for Twitter, but also for um, you know, website or, or any, any sort of platform where you're sharing content. Um, you know, I started and I was thinking like, oh, maybe if I follow a bunch of people, they'll follow me back. Um, and I, I think I tried that at the start and soon realized that was a really dumb idea. Um, you should only follow people that you truly think add something to the conversation and, um, or have a unique voice or have access. Um, access, obviously, I think is probably the most important one there. But, you know, just following people to hope that they follow you back is ridiculous. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you're ever going to gain um, an audience yourself, you're going to do it through, you know, being yourself and, and actually creating and, and having a, a unique voice um, or um, a unique talent. And, uh, and so as I, as I realized that was, how, you know, how I wasn't just going to do it by following a bunch of people, um, you know, I, I slowed down and just started working, a little, working on... Um, what I thought I knew best, which was understanding the sport and, um, you know, the deeper levels of it. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was my first thing, just knowing that, you know, what makes a good follower. And a good follower is somebody who um, comes and sees your work and wants to, you know, literally wants to engage or read or like um, what you're doing. So uh, that probably took me, I don't know, maybe uh, probably four months um, from the start um, as I got into it. So... That was the first thing. The next step for me really was um, starting to cover tournaments. And I did that uh, one about one year after I'd started. So I covered ATP, the ATP tournament in Atlanta in 2014. And then also I covered the next week in Washington, D.C., uh, which, which is a joint ATP 500 and WTA international event. Um, and that was, you know, one of the best learning experiences I ever had. It was also a ton of fun. Um, uh, the, you know, there's so many great memories I have from there, but probably the best one is, uh, you know, in Atlanta with Duty Sela making the final there, and it was hilarious talking to him every day after his matches. And he would tell, uh, he, you know, I'd ask him, and we'd, he would tell me, yeah, I, I served even worse today than I did in the, in the previous match. Like, he was just serving so bad, but he was still winning. Like, off the ground, he was playing amazing. And uh, that's probably the number one thing I remember. He played Isner in the final, and I wasn't there for the final because I was going to DC. Um, but that was a, that was a, that was an awesome week. Um, you know, talking to a lot of the players for the first time, really, um, you know, getting down how to interview, how to how to ask questions in press conferences, and um, understanding sort of the culture of of the tennis media. So. Um, that was that was the next step. Uh, also, side note: Atlantic Station, where the tournament is held, is honestly like one of the greatest areas I've ever been, and probably like an, one of one of the top two underrated places for a for a tournament on the tour. So, if you guys are 
ever you know ever considering going there i do not hesitate it's one of the best best stops on tour uh, and then I went to D.C., which was cool as well because it was a, there was a larger media presence there. Atlanta, you know, there wasn't a lot. Um, it was really just me and Ricky Diamond um, and then some local media. Uh, so, you know, we had a lot of access there. Really, you could talk to whoever you wanted to. And, um, you know, you, you never really had to fight over somebody else to get a question in. Um, in D.C., it was a little bit different. Um, there's a lot more media in D.C., obviously. It's a bigger tournament. It's a mixed event, joint event. And... Um, so that was cool for me because I saw, obviously I wouldn't say it's, you know, the big stage, which I eventually saw, but it was a bigger stage and it was cool to be in, you know, bigger press conferences and see some, some, some of the top guys. And, um, I remember that week, the one thing I remember from that week was I saw Nishikori, you know, visibly roll his ankle pretty badly in practice on the first day I was there. And like, I knew it was bad. Like he rolled it pretty, pretty toughly. Wow, toughly. That's a great adjective, Joey. Uh, pretty poor, pretty like pretty severely, and he was when he won his first two matches, and I'm watching. I'm like he's struggling with this ankle foot thing, and uh, so then he gets to the semifinals, and he's playing like he's like limping around, and I tweeted it at Brad Gilbert. I was like, man, you got to trust me on this one. Like he rolled his ankle, uh, and he hurt his foot, and that turned out to be true, which was which was cool for me. Um, so yeah, you know, if you're ever at tournaments, just watch practice. Uh, that's all, yeah, that's, that's one of the biggest things. You got to watch practice. Practice is honestly, you know, as a tennis nerd, if you're really a tennis nerd, you got to watch practice, man. The practice is honestly sometimes more fun to watch than the matches. Uh, what was next? Oh yeah, that's, that's right. Um, so probably the best memories I have uh, maybe aren't necessarily to do with the tennis nerds, but they happen because of the tennis nerds. So I worked for for ESPN at the U.S. Open in 2014 and 2015. Um, in TV production uh, at those tournaments, um, and that was awesome, obviously, because I was, you know, I was finally I was doing work that I, getting paid to do what I love, which was basically watch tennis. So, um, and the coolest thing about that was uh, after I would work for like 10, 12 hours, and I loved every every minute of it. Um, and I worked with some great people: uh, Stephen Hardy, Tori Kopalas, uh, Kyle Reeder, um Nathaniel Hayes. I don't know if you guys are listening, but those those were some great people that I worked with. Um, and had a ton of fun. But the coolest thing was after that, you know, with, with your media pass, you could go and watch matches. Uh, and so I would always stay on the ground. I would get there at like 8 a.m. Like our call time for ESPN was 10. I would get there no later than 8 to watch practice. Um, and then I would stay until the last night session match, um, which was a great decision, obviously. As, uh, you know, it really prescribed everything I was about, you know, the tennis nerds. I was, I was going to do whatever it took. You know, if there were tennis on, I was probably going to be watching it. Um, and so the, the memories that I have, you know, the most from there, the first one uh, was a crazy night um, on Ash. And that was, I take a breath here, man, um, a match between Nick Kyrgios and Tommy Robredo. And I'll never forget that day as Kyrgios walked out on court. Um, his first, first time on Ash, he's young. He's like 18 at the time, I think. He walks out there, and he smiles as he walks on court, and, like, he has his headphones on, I think, I forget, but he took them off for a second to, like, listen to the, to listen to the crowd, like, giving him, you know, cheering, and he smiled, put him back on, and, like, he was like, I'm going to like this. And for a set and a half, the guy played probably, you know, one of the best levels of tennis I've ever seen. Um, the guy, you know, he, you know, obviously, he's done a lot of stupid things as well, says a lot of stupid things. Um, but man, he, 
the guy is just so good for the sport, in my opinion. Um, he His talent is hard to explain, um, and seeing that live was really cool. Roberto came back and won the match uh, in four sets. But the, undoubtedly the best part of the match was in the fourth set, I believe it was like 5-4 or 5-3, and Kyrgios was serving at 3-5. Yeah, and a fan yelled out, uh, yelled out, where'd your swag go, Nick? And because, you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't winning or whatever, Kyrgios sort of paused and looked at him, came up to the line, uh, hit a first serve, Roberto hit the return, and then he just, like, slapped the living hell out of a forehand. And then he, and when he did that, he yelled, swag! And it was a moment where uh, me and I was sitting next to, to Ben Rothenberg at the time, and we just like we looked at each other and smiled, and it was, it was a, it was amazing. That was an epic moment. Um, and then I was, that was like late at night, and I went to to, to press afterwards. I think I was like the only person requesting English. Um, there was a couple Spanish reporters there, uh, but I asked Curios about it, and he said that. Uh, yeah, I was just answering the fans' question, <laughs> so that was that was pretty funny. That was definitely one of my best moments. Um, the next one was the year after 2015, so just this last you know one year ago, U.S. Open, um, and this was the best match I've ever seen for sure. Um, probably the best match I'll ever see. Probably you know likely um, that was Fabio Fognini and Rafael Nadal on center. I just gotten off work. Um, I think he had lost like the first set when I got off work. Uh, and I watched. I, I went down and I got to see a couple of pictures from the photo pit. I was watching down there, and that's one of the coolest experiences you can do um, when you work for ESPN. But uh, you know, I, I went up and I was I was sitting and I'm watching this match, and uh, I you know he goes down two to love, and yeah, at all points he'd already beaten him I think two times this year. But on a hard court, you're like, look, Nadal's up two sets to love. Then he gets a break in the third. Okay, you're like, this is over. This is over. And Fignini played for for two and a half sets, the best tennis I've ever seen um, from somebody not named, you know, Federer, Djokovic, or Nadal. Really, um, you know, those three guys have played better, obviously. But what Fignini did for two and a half hours was like absurd. And he's like timing the ball. He knows where Rafa was going with every single shot. Like I've never seen somebody anticipate Nadal that well. And he came back. The fifth set was unreal. Like they were, they, nobody could hold serve. Um, the, some of the points were like ridiculous. And I, I always go back and watch those highlights because I remember just like being in utter awe. And the best part about that was I remember out, sitting maybe two rows in front of me. They were absolutely loving it. Okay, uh, it's a little bit different in the U.S. Um, you know, as media at these tournaments, you know, you're not really supposed to cheer for players, or especially you know, even like home players. Um, but man, these guys were like, they were absolutely loving everything that Fignini was doing. And to see that in front of me was like, I was just smiling every time I would see one of them. Uh, it was so cool. And I remember on the match point, uh, it was just this crazy feeling, crazy moment um, when, he, when he actually beat him uh, in best of five. Um, so that was definitely one of the coolest moments.
so those were sort of my favorite moments as a you know just personally um some of the favorite uh interviews i had um we're really on this podcast, to be honest with you. Uh, love talking to to uh, Mark Stein, um, who, I, who I also met in person um, at the U.S. Open last year, who's just like an unbelievable dude, uh, loves tennis. Um, hopefully you guys have listened to that episode of the podcast because he, he's a great, like an unbelievable, knowledgeable guy, obviously a great basketball reporter, but loves tennis too. Um, that was one of my favorites. Uh, I'll never forget when I uh, interviewed Stefan Kozlov for the first time, which was in D.C., um, he was 15 at the time, I think, and uh, he was, like, watching a match, and this wasn't, like, I didn't, like, request this or anything. I just sort of, I never met him before. I just ran into him as we were, I was walking back to the media tent, and I was like, hey, dude, like, you know, can we do a quick interview? And he was, um, for those of you who haven't met Cod, like, so professional, um, unbelievable for a 15-year-old to to step up and like you know, give these answers that he was. He was just so confident and um, you know put out a Q and A with Cause there, that which was really cool. Um, and I've you know I've kept in touch with him, interviewed him a f- few different times. Uh, you'll definitely be seeing him on the, on the top circuit pretty soon. Um, fantastic personality. I really hope he he doesn't lose that as he gets better because um, he's just a he's a hilarious guy. And um, really, all the all the young Americans are, uh, you know, Francis, Michael, um, Tommy Paul, Riley Opelka. Uh, you know, I'm forgetting so many, but uh, Taylor Fritz, um, Ernesto Escobedo, uh, who just got the wild card into the U.S. Open, which is awesome. Uh, he's a fantastic story. Um, but you know, all those young Americans uh, didn't meet all of them, but I met a lot of them, interviewed a lot of them. Awesome group. Um, and definitely something where not only are they going to be entertaining on the court, but they're going to be entertaining off the court. So as you probably have already seen by now. Um, so that was, that was definitely a, one of the highlights as well. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, and then sort of, you know, backing off just what I liked. Um, you know, what does it mean to be a tennis nerd? Uh, you know, really, you know, my identity or my voice came, uh, I thought, sort of in the last couple of years and understanding where I was you know, where I was valuable. And that was, I understood the deeper levels of the sport. So that's challengers and futures and also lower level ATP. Everybody watches the top guys. I mean, every, and I'm, I love watching the top guys. Are you kidding me? I was just watching Del Po Murray yesterday in the Olympic final and that was unreal. Like, that was awesome. Um, but, you know, when you, when you can appreciate like a good grind in the first round of a challenger, then you're a tennis nerd. You know what I mean? And uh, so I think, you know, being able to, to go to some challengers, watch all the challengers, report on those, probably where I was at my strongest, um, just because I had, you know, probably more knowledge and access than a lot of other people did. So I was, always, I always wanted to share that. So that you know, that, that's sort of my my uh, my memories and my favorite things, um, as, uh, you know, as I was the managing editor of the Tennis Nerds. It was a lot of fun, um, and now yeah, now I just want to thank some people who uh, really helped help me. Um, get to where I was. So uh, we'll get to that right after this. So obviously, um, there's a ton of people I can I need to thank. Really, um, I'm going to try and keep it short because you know, a lot of people probably aren't that interested in this. Um, 
but there are certainly some names that, that need to be shouted out. So um, the first one definitely is Ricky Diamond. I think I mentioned earlier, uh, Ricky, you know, let me stay with him in Atlanta uh, for the first, you know, for that whole tournament. That was so much fun. Me, him, and uh, his cousin Taft uh, playing ping pong at like 11 at night. That was awesome. Um, Ricky also, I you know, did a lot of collaboration with him. We would write, you know, match predictions on his site, uh, the uh, 10 grand uh, grandstand, which you know, and he's he he's so knowledgeable in the sport. He's a he's a good player too, um, a hilarious guy, and uh, yeah, you know, definitely owe Ricky a lot. Um, you know, he helped me definitely when I was when less people knew me, and, and he he really valued me more than some. So, uh, the next person is uh, as I always pronounce his, his last name wrong, so I'm going to pronounce it wrong one more time. Uh, Josh Meiselis, um, uh or Josh Meselis. Depends how you want to pronounce it. Um, but Josh works with ATP. Um, he's now the sort of taking over the Challenger Tour communications, which is really cool. Um, or the Challenger Tour digital media website, Twitter, that stuff. Um, Josh and I have been friends for a few, a couple years now. Um, I had a lot of fun with Josh. He, he really helped me in terms of, uh, I, think we, I think we helped each other. But, um, you know, having somebody like Josh who wasn't too much older than me, he definitely is older than me, um, to clarify, but uh, who wasn't too much older than me, who, you know, we stayed together at the U.S. Open last year. Um, you know, he was always pushing my work as well. Um, so I really appreciate Josh, and I'm sure we'll be friends for a long time. Um, next is Steve Weissman, who I worked with uh, at ESPN at the U.S. Open for a couple of years. Um, didn't really work with him, but, uh, you know, we, we, had, we had met and talked and um, – Still, still talk to him now. Steve has really helped me out. Uh, Steve's now at Tennis Channel and, and the NFL Network. Uh, really good tennis commentator. Um, you know, didn't work in tennis a lot early in his career. He worked at Sports Center, but he loves tennis, man. And um, it was really cool to see him take a more a uh, bigger role in tennis because I think he's going to be really valuable to the sport. Um, he's really helped me in terms of you know getting my name out to companies and uh, you know just so so appreciative of that. So um, big shout out to Steve. Uh, also, um, have to thank my uh, my roommates and friends uh, Zach Lipson and Jorge Merlos, especially um, who really dealt with me watching tennis, you know, to obscene hours, um, and ended up you know watching it with me. Uh, Zach and Zach, I think, uh, who was a very good tennis player in his own right, I think I sort of burned him out of the sport a little bit. But uh, Jorge, I, mean, I didn't, but he uh, he would just you know make fun of me. But Jorge, I think I really got into the sport. Um, and he loves tennis now, so I want to say thanks to those guys uh, for sort of putting up with me. Uh, who else? Um, definitely Mike Cation, who's the play-by-play commentator on the USD Pro Circuit. Um, Mike just helped me out in terms of sort of coordinating interviews with players before I w- if I wasn't at the tournament. Um, you know, Mike's one of the one of the smartest and hardworking guys out there. Um, really, you know, would always would always you know promote my work. Would always help me out if I needed something and. Uh, you know, Mike, uh, you know, just finished in Aptos, so, uh, you know, hopefully everybody's listening to those, to those, you know, broadcasts and should know that he, he deserves a, a position uh, commentating tennis at a, at a, at a higher level. Um, and then finally, uh, you know, sort of something that somebody who has helped me out in sort of every stage of the last couple of years is uh, Ben Rothenberg of the, the New York Times. He's a, he's a freelancer. Um, Ben was on the, or a few of those people were on the podcast. Mike was on the podcast. Uh, ben was on the podcast. Um, Ben's helped me out a lot, uh, just jokingly, but also seriously. Um, he was the one who who encouraged me to, sorry, 
you know, request a credential for Atlanta and DC said, you know, go for it. Um, there's no reason why you shouldn't. And, uh, from there, he really introduced me to the people I needed to know and sort of let me help him with some of his projects. He helped me with some of my projects and, uh, encouraged me to, as we call it, um, to shovel, to not, to, um, to not just, you know, believe what's on the surface, to continue um, investigating things. And, you know, there's so many stories out there that still haven't been written um, that, that you, know, you know, Ben does his job really well. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely took me under his wing and it helped me in every way he could. So, uh, you know, thanks, Ben. Uh, hopefully you're listening. Um, ben Roethlisberger, quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, so big thank you there. And then finally... Uh, obviously, couldn't go without thanking everyone for uh, reading my work, you know, following me on Twitter, listening to the podcasts. There's so many people that I didn't name there um, that I could uh, that you know that deserve thanks. Um, but everybody gave me so much support and really allowed me to grow into something where you know I, I wasn't famous or wasn't anything like that, but I had an audience that that really helped me get the job I have today. So. Um, I'm gonna, you know, I plan on keeping the Twitter, the site, at least, you know, for the for the for a little while, isn't gonna be updated because uh, I have a job now. Um, still, will be at the Tennis Nerds, but I think I'm gonna change my name to Joey Hanf. Um, you know, you can you can follow me there. Uh, you can follow my work at Cliff Drysdale. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks thanks everybody. Uh, it's been a really fun ride uh, with the Tennis Nerds. Um, you know, it's not completely over yet, so. I'll uh, still be able to keep in touch with most of you via Twitter. Um, but, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed um, sort of this, this final podcast where I, you know, in a little bit more depth than probably I wrote about on the, the website article about what I'm doing next, what I enjoyed the most, and sort of the people I needed to thank, which is, which is you guys. So uh, thanks again, and uh, hopefully I'll uh, talk to you guys soon.